you know, I I guess Stanford, you should really watch the Arizona State tape and hope it was something schematically and not what I said about their jerseys being get they got too excited about the jerseys and forgot about the football. Jared, they looked too good. Looking too good and being too hyped about jerseys, forgetting, oh yeah, football. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of SP and Ross's Untitled College Football Podcast, how do your Saturdays feel? Ross, hit, was week eight. hit that baseline. Hit that baseline for us. Damn. Uh, Damn. How do Saturdays Damn. feel? Yeah, week eight already. Um, th- this is like basically halfway, right? Like I know not numerically. But in terms of the games that are actually played, I think we're at about as close to the college halfway point as as we're going to get. Um, but yeah, week eight in the books. Uh, before we just went on, I said it seemed like a little separation week of sorts. So full disclosure off top, I was on the road this week uh, and, and weekend on Thursday to Sunday. I was down in Hilton Head, South Carolina um have a have a nice little family spot down there some of the uh, uh my friends and I went down got a little golf weekend in as I said the the last last trip for me probably before uh, I am expecting or being my wife and I expecting in February so our last trip before that or at least my last trip uh before that uh but I caught a decent amount of college football for somebody who played what 56 holes of golf something like that um so it was a golf heavy trip but saturday was really fun we usually do this trip in the spring but saturday after we came off the course to have all these games to get into was really fun um and then the night games actually turned out to be just not i think this whole weekend was a lot of that's not what we expected some you know some Mm -hmm. for the good some Mm -hmm. for the good and some not for the good um but it was really, really fun, and we'll, we will get mostly into games this weekend. I said, I'm going to let you fill me in on what you saw um, because I'm sure you were uh, you know, a little bit locked in or a lot more locked in than I was. But um, so my general thoughts for college football is I think this is the first year objectively, or not even objectively, usually I have to kind of sell my friends on college football being more entertaining than the NFL because most of my friends are, you know, NFL giants, jets, uh, or whatever team most more NFL or pro team centric being from the Northeast, New York, Jersey, you know, Connecticut region. Um, we are more a pro sports area than a college sports area just by, at least in the football realm. Right. Because we don't really have big time programs like that up here in this area so much. Um, but, except for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, except for the, the, the bowling already. <laughs> I mean, I love to see it. Graciano's back. 
Uh, they are Iowa East Coast. I called them last week. They are East Coast Iowa. Um, but I mean, birthplace of college football. So they they gotta they gotta represent, right? They they can't be the doormat to the conference anymore. They gotta represent. Um, but yeah, just what do you like? I mean, this weekend was like I was saying, we 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 jumped into some college football, and I didn't have to sell my like, you know, it's not like they don't watch it. We all actually played college football at one level or another, but just gradually they ended up watching more NFL or or enjoying NFL more than college. But I think this was the type of weekend that maybe re-reminded them or rekindled yeah. somewhat of that flame for how great this sport can be. And it it's so different. And it's it's not, you know, unlike college basketball and NBA, those playing fields are so level or unlevel. And it's so obvious in the product. Um, the product here, obviously, college players are not as good as pro players, but I think it doesn't hurt the product in that same way. And I think that's what we saw a lot this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a really good, really good weekend for college football. You saw a lot of the historical rivalries playing this weekend. Uh, a lot of soon-to-be historical rivalries. An overall headline for the weekend, oddly, is take the points. There were so many teams this weekend that opted to go for it on fourth down, fourth and goal, instead of taking the points as far as field goals. Had a meaningful impact on at least three or four games that I saw. So I'm interested to hear about or talk about the impact of analytics on these like game game decisions, culture making. But I just saw a baffling amount of like what I thought were obvious field goal situations where coaches made other decisions. Yeah, um, I think. The analytics have kind of – I'm not going to say they've gone too far because let, here's where I stand on analytics. Get, the more information that you give me, the better. Uh, it's just not it, – it's not the end all. Be, it helps inform the choices I'm going to make, but there is always – or there needs to always be because coaches like to call themselves fighter pilots, right? They like to call themselves fighter pilots in terms of how many decisions that they have to make in a given mm-hmm. you know game second down you know it, and it is i'm not obviously the equivalency of the importance of those two jobs might not be the same but they try to use that analogy to put you behind the mind of the the job of a college coach on a saturday is just endless and endless and endless amounts of decisions from the kickoff to the fourth quarter even to when you're going to warm up how you warm up halftime just it's it's a day for when you're going to arrive in town when you're going to what hotel it's literally their whole life is just decisions, just analyzing and making decisions. And even decisions about decisions. So what decisions am I going to make? Which ones am I going to delegate? When yes. do I step in and overrule somebody? Like there's, there's like that level of it as well. Yeah. That's a very important point too. Uh, knowing what you should and should not do. And I think, you know, the, the later years of Bobby Bowden kind of being a overseer who allows or, you know, the general manager, but the offensive coordinator is this person, CEO defensive type. coordinator is this person. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. having, you know, the, the Georgia staff, so the Alabama staffs where, you know, Kirby, Kirby Smart and yeah, Nick Saban, they, they make a lot of decisions, but boy, do they have a lot of people helping them make a lot of decisions. And so I think what we're seeing is the permeation of a bunch of schools that otherwise had O coordinator, D coordinator, uh, head coach, special teams coach, now have uh, 
you know, full full time staff, all positions. You got a probably a passing game coordinator. You got probably two or three analytical people. You probably have a defensive, just a pass, uh, maybe you know D backs or defensive pass specialists. Like the 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 size of these staffs, and then that's mm-hmm. not even the recruiting part. This is just the on field part. Not recruiting, um, not training, conditioning, health and wellness. Yeah, that's that's, that's all, all the other well. stuff. Yeah. So we're you were just talking about kind of those decisions that you were seeing on the field, and just you know some interesting head scratching coaching decisions, not just from a, a taking the point standpoint or managing timeout standpoint, how you're coaching these guys in certain situations, or how you're clearly not coaching certain teams in certain situations. I've never seen so much not understanding how substituting works and it all seemed to happen in just this one week i don't know what it was but this one week all the defenses realized hey we don't have to take that much time to get off the field as a matter of fact it behooves us not to because the play clock is still ticking when the offense makes a substitution as long as we get our men off the field before the you know the play is is delayed ultimately with 12 people on the field um Take your time. And offenses clearly didn't know whenever we have these late subs, guys, the clock is still running. So you need to be ready the second the ref moves to snap this ball because the ref holds it up until the defense has been allowed to sub. As soon as he steps away, now their refs are also messing it up too. I forget which game it was, but I saw a ref ruin. It might have been UNC or it ruined somebody's opportunity. Maybe it's Duke. the USC. It was Duke and Florida State. It was Duke, yeah, Duke, Florida State. It ruined an opportunity that that the offense should have had. I believe it's Duke, right? Duke should have had a chance to mm-hmm. run a play uh, because they did not make a sub and the ref was holding up the game to allow Florida State to make a substitution and they were irate, you rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that it is now on the refs as well as these rules get more intricate and you see teams start to, yeah, and this is all tied to the analytics and the decisions. Um, the best coaches at the end of the day still understand a feel of a team, a situation. And like the analytics may say in this situation, fourth and less than three in plus territory in this situation, you go for it. But if it if if I'm in a game, we've played two quarters, three and a half quarters, and I know it's a low scoring or it's a points game or it's a field position game, as much as I might not like that, um, it, it you do have to realize emotionally what it does. And I know you're not supposed to say if we don't get it, if we go for it, don't get it. But the emotional letdown of that fourth down stop versus a missed kick, because I'm going to tell you, teams don't get as mad about a missed kick as much as we hate kickers, as you do about we have four chances and we still couldn't get a first down, right? That that sticks in your head way more. Of like we need to we we need to fix some shit. A kicker missing is you almost are like yeah, of course the kicker missed. We left it up to him. Um, so I, I, that's yeah. We saw a lot of that this momentum, week. prior history, like it all matters. First and goal at the two, and now it's fourth and inches. Like you, it took you three plays to get three or four inches. Yeah, maybe you should just kick it at this point. <laughs> and you I tried, know- <laughs> and you I, didn't get it. <laughs> I, and I know some of these kickers aren't reliable, so I understand that. But again, um, it part of I guess how you need to instill confidence in a kicker is allowing him those opportunities to say, "Hey, we trust you in this spot. We didn't get it done. Go get us three points." If you all never let him kick it, and then hey, end of the game, we're down three. We need you to make this one, and he doesn't make it. It's almost like what you just showed over the course of a game. You don't actually believe in me. It's only when it's a last resort situation. 
And so there's that whole self-doubt and kickers are head cases and yeah. you got to instill confidence. So that's another part of coaching. Um, but yeah, coaching, I think um, that might be in a, in a NIL really talent kind of evenly distributed world, especially when we talk about some of these games this weekend and coming up next weekend. And we said it, I think since week, what, two or three, since we talked about Jimbo and um, Crystal ball and some of these guys like coaching not just X's and O's, not just somebody, but like coaching and understanding your team and getting them in the right mind state, going on the road, some of these tough spots. And the tougher thing is the games against teams that aren't supposed to beat you or it's not supposed to be a game, keeping you mentally locked in there. A lot of that stuff is what's going to separate these teams because the talent at this point, Duke and Florida State, again, take those jerseys off. Is it that much different anymore? And that's crazy to say, but that's the world that we are at with some of these schools where the talent is going to be pretty much even. How good is your coach? How prepared are you? Situational football, uh-huh. those types of things are about to be as we come down to playoff races. That's going to be the thing that makes the difference. So from that. Yeah, how resilient are you? Can you get can you get punched in the mouth yeah. and still hang around, still keep fighting, still keep digging? That's, like, those are battles you win in the spring. Yeah, not that week. That's yeah. instilled in your culture. Yeah, that's a culture thing. That's the stuff when I talk about Georgia's and those types of like. That's the stuff where it's like, this is just all year round. Like, it's so ingrained at this point in some of these programs. It's tough to find. Um, but when we get, I'm excited to get into some of these games. So let's hop. Let's just hop into. I think this has been the most interesting week. Perfect. Also, that Georgia didn't play. This is the perfect week to just talk about who, you know, who is our for real. And after having just to to have it, I think for what <laughs> for for what both of us have had consecutively for now, either two or three weeks, or after after the uh, Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame might have been uh, the last time a change was made. But you and I, with the exception of I think just the Michigan and Ohio State occupying the four slot having whatever other order from there pretty much been on board with the Oklahoma, the Florida state and the Washington as your four, four best outside of uh, Georgia or maybe yeah. even o- over Georgia, but just for the purposes of, of this conversation, I think this was the first week where we saw all of those teams tested at the same time. I don't think I, – I guess Oklahoma is the exception to that. Well, no, they, USC tested them So, because that's a game you might have to fill me in the, on. The Dylan but, Gabriel Bowl. Yep. Yeah, the, the revenge of Dylan Gabriel. Um, he – and that was at UCF, I'm seeing. No, that was at Oklahoma. Okay, so he got that one at home. Um, but, yeah, no, that – I think this was the first time that all four teams were going to have a, a real test at, at the same time. And – while they all passed, they all passed in different ways. So I want to talk about just quickly about all four, or I guess five, because of Michigan, Ohio State, and then uh, Oklahoma, Florida State, Washington. I want to talk just briefly about them. So f- fill me in on your four team, Michigan, beating the brakes off of. I mean, just shutting out a Michigan State program that here's what I saw about this game. I'm not making this up. This is not a joke. 
Hitler was on the screen for a brief second or two. They had to take it off and issue an apology immediately. Things are going so shitty at Michigan how, State right now. How does now. that happen? Like especially, that, especially this week of all weeks. That is even what's happening in Gaza. That is that. I'm a look. Two theories. Both of them have a really high chance of being right. One student in charge of that whole thing. Student thought it would be funny to somehow playoff i guess jim harbour like i don't i don't like who who it has to somehow be an illusion alluding to something michigan-y if this is a person student jumbotron person who's in charge of this thought that he or she or they could slip it in or somebody hacked in or got access to it that doesn't usually do like and they decided that's what they were gonna do right that that's how they what they were gonna bomb on there um, either like I don't know if they we'll said they out. outsource to a third party. <laughs> That's what they yeah. use these pre-scripted decks. They don't use I, this company anymore. Whatever. I've seen a bunch of bad. Net- I've seen a bunch of bad Netflix documentaries about some past college football stuff where they're just telling me stuff I already know. Somebody do some real untold and tell me how this one happened. Like this is some stuff that. You can't make that up. I when I, I just saw that as a headline, I was like, what is what is going on at that institution right now? Like I just it it's bad. Can y'all bad. do nothing right? It's bad. Like you guys can't do anything. Like I don't want to indict like a whole whole university, but in every possible way, like everywhere you look for the headlines for them, it is scandal. And like Tom Izzo. Get out! Like run away! Like I it, is Tom Izzo the only good thing about Michigan State? And Draymond Green's cool, I guess. Magic Johnson, I guess. Magic Johnson's fine, <laughs> but look at what look at how far we look. Come on now, Michigan State, get it together! But tell me about Michigan, please. Michigan has an argument for the top team in the country. I think. Yep. I think of of this cream of the crop upper echelon, upper tier teams. Michigan, Michigan is probably the only school that consistently does what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They beat teams they're supposed to beat. They cover spreads. If they're going to supposed to blow a team out, they're going to blow a team out. They, for me, are passing the eye test. I mean, the game the other day against what's supposed to be a rivalry, J.J. McCarthy was pretty much done by early third quarter. Yeah, this is a I, scary team firing all, all cylinders, and from the eye test, looks like the best team in the Big Ten. Oh, I agree with that. Based 100%. on what I've seen, uh, that's not even. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoiler. Uh, uh, spoiler alert! It, um, but I I do agree with that. Um, so if I'm gonna play, de- what I'm gonna try to do with all of these teams is try to just play devil's advocate or try to play against them, just to to put up to see what what the other side of the coin or what their downfall or what you would committee wise, right? If I'm just going to go other side or 10th man theory, this thing, um, I would just say, I would start with this Eastern Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Indiana, Michigan Mm -hmm. state. Those Mm -hmm. teams suck. No disrespect. Just no disrespect. Those are all trash teams. So the, the, what you said at first is the most important thing, which is, which is, (laughs) yeah, which is they, they, um have been the only team that just blow those teams out cover spreads do what they're supposed to do yes these teams are no good we're showing you that we are on a totally different level than all of them half of them barely can score on us so they that that's the other side of that coin though is that 
Are you guys going to have a problem playing Ohio? I'm not even looking at Penn State. I'll, I'll, we'll get to how frustrated I am, which is their general existence in a little bit. But are, I already told you are, to do a Penn State. Are you, what, what yeah, your plan look, needs to be. Look, New Jersey's a run a triple option. But anyway, um, or air raid. No, we said air raid. Like five wide air raid, like Timmy Chang and change your jersey colors and put names on the back. Um, but like when you play Ohio State and it's at home this year, if the first time ever it's 14 nothing, 21 nothing, because you can't guard Marvin Harrison or just, you know, defense makes a play, whatever, right? It, I'm not saying that's how the game will, but if you're yeah. in that situation for the first time ever, how does that look? That has to be the only argument against them. But I think as far as a committee goes, they will be ranked no lower than two. And I'm not sure that they should be two. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. And I, I'm with you there. And I think the rankings come out two weeks, we said, either one or two weeks. Um, all right, next, Oklahoma. That UFC game, I did not see any of that. Was that a noon? I think that was a noon noon kickoff, it looks like. Yeah, um, and I, I saw some of it. But I'm, I mean, it really boils down to how, how good you think UCF is. I've um, had, I've had a hard time. This is a time. game, especially at home, that I, you would think Oklahoma would beat pretty handily a, a three and a 500 team. Uh, mm-hmm. But for some reason, they were just unable to put them away. They had a hot start, but UCF got rolling and just they couldn't they couldn't stop them. So they ended up winning a nail biter, but winning a nail biter. But if I'm Oklahoma, I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what's going on. Yeah, that should have been that should have been a, a three touchdown win at home for them. Yeah, so I would yeah having having not seen the game, but having seen enough UCF. Did John Rice Plumley play, or is he out the rest of the season? Is that was his return? Who is their actual starting quarterback? Uh, he did. No, he played. Okay, here he we go. I want to say I believe this is either his first or second game back because what I was gonna say is I don't know what to make a UCF because they've been on a backup quarterback since week two. So the results week in and week out versus their opponent is just all over the place. Particularly as somebody who looks at gambling numbers, it's like I don't even I don't know what to do with this team, but. When John Rice probably plays, he's fun. He's dangerous. He's multi. He's dual threat. Um, and I just think in general, Oklahoma, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, not impressed. It, oh, well, I guess I should say impressed. Putting up the 31 necessary to win when they actually really are a defensive team, more or less, or a team that leans more on their defense being able to stop people. When they couldn't do that or when, you know, when it looks like UCF was getting what they wanted on offense – for Oklahoma to still win one of those, I will say, is is a is an impressive point. But um, yeah, I think my concern with Oklahoma would be actually the fact that their offense, not their defense, but that their offense isn't dynamic enough to beat a what looks like, I guess, the best defense right now in Michigan. I think we have to say that. Um, or at least one of the best. Georgia's defense, like, 
think Georgia's defense would would make things difficult. I'm just looking. Here's the mission: the the Oklahoma schedule, Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincy, Iowa State, Texas, UCF. Not a lot of defenses that would test them yet. I think we said this last week. Watch out for Bedlam at Oklahoma State in a couple weeks because that is a good defense. You know, or Oklahoma State. Yeah. Like that's you know we know that 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 they can do that. Um, this Kansas game is interesting now. If a certain somebody feels like playing or not, <laughs> um, that this game could be interesting because it's at Kansas, and you know if Oklahoma's defense, if, if UCF can have success, I would like to believe Kansas also can. Again, it's kind of dependent on their best player, but um, yeah, I, I think. I've been impressed with Oklahoma's defense, so my concern would be more with their offense. If I'm in the committee, while I'm putting them in my four, like right now, and I don't know, I would really, because I missed this week, I feel like I would have to give it more thought, look at some more things, wait for next week. But um, I don't know if Oklahoma's a top four team. Well, I don't, I shouldn't say I don't know. I guess they wouldn't be Kansas. By the way, beat UCF by four touchdowns. Yeah, and I know was, we can do this. This I, this I believe, is a property thing all day, but like I believe UCF is not a good team. I believe that was the game where John Rice told me how what, how many weeks ago was it? Because it was uh, the first week of October. Okay, I don't know if that was the game. There was a game where he got hurt, and then it was just like I want you saw UCF was like, well, that's. We're done now. And they kind of played yeah. like that the rest. Yeah, so that's very like, yeah. But no, that Kansas having that firepower uh, and Oklahoma, you know, they got the win. But like you said, kind of nail-biting it out at home. Um, I'm I'm willing to say that this is maybe a, a continued just holdover from the big win that they had. Until we, until we see to see more. Yeah, which those next I think the next two games are are tests in uh, kind of a couple of different ways, both on the road too. Um, all right, next uh, Florida State, tough tough battle with Duke, but they do get it done. I think that's uh, I think that was a character building win for them. Yeah, like just that's it a was good a, win for Florida State. It was a dog dog fight of a game. It was uh, multiple times. It looked like. You know, Duke was just kind of on the doorstep if they make the big play. And then Riley Leonard goes down and they yep. would not stop showing him warm up. And Duke drop backs and is like, yo, stop. After every play, stop showing him. He's not, the, he's not going line. back in. They're not letting him in. They're not putting him back in. You showed the conversation where Mike Elko told him he's not putting him back in. He's still back there doing backdrops, and y'all are still showing it. Like, stop. It's just – it's not – Either this sit new down, quarterback, son. yeah. Either this new Go quarterback down, is gonna have it, or or they're gonna lose. But stop showing Riley Leonard because he's not coming back. And you know, tough, um, <clears throat> impressive win. Just in kind of like, yeah, you know, Duke's defense is good. Duke up front is 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 like uh, it's one of the best. The it's one of the best fronts. Never it's one of the best fronts. Before. Yeah, it's Absolutely. one of the best fronts. Like, I, I, I laughed before I said it because um, look, if, if people who don't know me know I'm a you know a Duke basketball fan. Football wise, of course, I will root for them. My mom went there, but it's like there's been nothing to root for. But when I'm about to say Duke has one of the best front fours, best fronts in mm-hmm. the nation, mm-hmm. like it's because it's true. 
And you just saw with Florida State, it was like, no, Jordan Travis, you're going to have to do this. There will be no run, not a lot of running to support. We're getting after you. You're going to have to get outside the pocket, make things happen off schedule. Like that, that Duke put up defensively the fight of their lives. Florida State had to go win that one. Um, so really, really impressive win for them. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the argument really on the other side of them is, other than they are prone to beating themselves at times. Um, I, like, I just Jordan Travis occasionally makes me nervous. Just occasionally, there's just sometimes occasionally like a laissez-faire about everything in in his just like how comfortable he is in the pocket with the ball outside. Just it kind of <laughs> it's like too at times confident in a way that i'm like you're not that big you're kind of small you're getting hit a lot the ball's out like it's not like you have a history or prone uh for turning it over or or whatever but that's those are all kind of luck based and so it's more looking at like situationally uh you know you'll force the ball in there sometimes or you'll you'll be kind of loose on the run with it sometimes and like it doesn't matter when it doesn't actually happen so i know this just sounds like a nitpicking thing but if he has a three or four turnover game all of a sudden i just don't want anybody to be shocked like there haven't been times where it's like oh boy because a lot of it is dependent on him playing playing really well for them to win games so i'm just saying that's it's a lot of responsibility on his plate week in and week out that would be yeah that's a it's a tough thing to nitpick, but that would be the only thing to nitpick. Similar to Washington, right? That's the last thing we haven't talked about. I don't really yeah, know. Well, no, but I Jordan Travis, too. He I don't was know. one of the more impressive stats I saw this weekend. One was Bo Nix having started, I think, 56 games. Oh, yeah. Which that was amazing. Was like, how's that even possible? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> um, and then Jordan Travis passed Chris Winkie's record for all-time yeah. yards in full-set history, which yeah. I didn't think was going to be broken. So that's yeah. really impressive. Yeah, for him, and it's more impressive because Chris Wiggy was an adult, and Jordan Travis is, uh, you know, I'm not even joking. You know, yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris was 20 Wiggy years was, old or something so, like that. Yeah, he came back from baseball, so he was damn near a 30 year old man. Um, Jordan Travis just got to start really young and has progressed, you know, and gotten better and better. That's one ex- I, uh, thing I will say that every season he's gotten better and better. So, like, as you scout for the NFL. My only downsize is that he's can only get but so big, and there's only so much you can do about that. And I'm not a height or size this, but um, you see how things are going with Bryce Young. You see how things, and he's a little bit he's bigger than Bryce Young, but I'm just using that as an example. Size, you know, size matters. Um, but yeah, that's a really impressive. So, shout out to Mr. Travis um, Heisman House. I guess we got some changes. Again, or Washington. I, I that we'll just touch on Washington because you know Michael Penix Heisman race had a had a minor setback. They obviously won the game. Their defense is still really good, but to not move the ball that offense too. I don't really even know what to say. Like I was watching it, just watching them struggle. Um, I don't have an all twenty two. I don't have an all twenty. I don't have an all twenty two tape. So I could their uniforms were incredibly sick. So my yeah. my immediate thought was dude, they, they had way too long of a day to get hyped for those ill uniforms and they spent too much energy and hype <clears throat> before the game because they look like they all are just dra- like 
there's no energy like from a, from from a television standpoint it's just like there's really no energy from this team right now and again i say i don't have all 11 tape because this is a vertical downfield offense so i can only see some of what i saw i'm not i don't can't see all you know 11 or all 22 rather i can't see coverages I'm not seeing what arizona state did to shut down an offense that no one has shut down so far so i'm not even sure what to say um but it, i you know, they won the game. I think that's the most important part. I, if had they had lost that game, I think they could have won the remainder of their games and still have possibly missed the playoffs because of just what's around in terms of other teams. Um, and they have to play potentially Oregon or Utah, you know, like twice in a Pac 12 champion situation. So, not losing this game was extremely important for them, but, um, you know. I, I guess, Stanford, you should really watch the Arizona State tape and hope it was something schematically and not what I said about their jerseys being – they got too excited about the jerseys and forgot about the football. They looked too good. Looking too good and being too hyped about jerseys, forgetting, oh, yeah, football. That's that's all I got. I mean, if somebody has better analysis, I maybe they're watching tape. But if anybody else just watched that game on TV and could tell me better what happened, I, I'm I'm open. Yeah, is- whether it was bad, but whether it was bad, of course, for both teams. Um it was a bad it was a bad showing against a bad team. I They're think, bad. Or They're Arizona bad. State's only <laughs> win is against Southern Utah. Like Arizona State's not a competitive team. No, so, they're, they're bad. They're on their I second. Have no explanation for this this performance from them. It, they should and they also should have lost, to be clear. Yeah, I watched uh, most of that game. They gave it away. They got some calls, and I think a, a special teams played down the stretch. But pick, that oh, pick, should have been a loss. They got the pick six. So I'm, I will push back yeah, on should. Six, I, will, right. I will push back on should have been a loss because pick six is you, your defense just won you the game. Their offense should go home the next day and say, guys, we should have lost. And the the next day in practice is all about the fucking defense because you they just saved our season. Um, because you can't blame the D. Arizona State had seven points. No, defense, defense no. like, look, I, what, what do you want from us? Uh, like, what, what do you want us to do? So offense needs to say, guys, we lost. We just we just seven sevened uh, Arizona State team. So um, a team I, that can't I, stop anybody I, up to I, this point I, in the year. Yeah, but it's college football. So here's what I'm gonna say: Stanford, you guys are about to get waxed next week. Like I, I am, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I don't know about Washington because again, like it, we, these games happen. Yep. They they won next week. It's opponent. Like you're probably, and again, we said that about Alabama when they almost lost earlier. They came back. They didn't wax the next team, but they won. Uh, but that's, you know, look, Alabama's going to do that. They're going to keep winning. They're one of the better teams. They might lose again, but they also might not. And so uh, how you re- come back after certain games like that is what I want to see. So at Stanford, 7 o'clock, I'm really sorry, Stanford. I, I, uh, Alec A.O. Maynard, you're, you're awesome. Uh, you might have to do what you did against Colorado. You're and not then, speaking up on and, anybody else this year. I hope some. you know. Everybody knows your name now. Yeah. Yeah, look at you, Omeda. Um Yeah, an almost loss is still a win. Um, it's better yeah. to learn from a loss, from a win than a loss. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not ready to write off Washington at all, uh, but it was certainly a disappointing performance. For sure. Offense specifically. Yep, offense is going to get read out yeah. in practice. They know it. Um, defense, 
they you know, don't you know, awesome game. Keep going because their defense, I think, has been pretty damn lights out. They got enough stops on the Oregon offense that people struggle to stop. Um, all right. I mean, let's go, let's go Heisman House real quick, because again, we're not gonna go environment as much. We're gonna we're gonna change it up a little bit. We might talk about some if there's some other games, I'll let you I'll let you fill me in before we do our uh try to guess our committee games here. And I guess we this could change next week, so I'm going to pull up the schedule, too, to see who's playing who. Um, I don't know if I would move the Heisman race around. Like, what, what's what's really going on in the Heisman race? I, I think you have to put – here are the names that I think for versus our conversation versus the national conversation. I'll just talk about the national conversation right now because, like, who I would pick versus the nation, whatever. National conversation, I think Michael Penix is still a candidate. Um, I I believe Jordan Travis is now a candidate. I believe, like we were talking about this, and I said the Duke game was a was going to be a test. He would have opportunities up to that point, kind of just to put up good stats, win these games. Um, I would say he's a candidate. I think Jaden Daniels is still a candidate. I think Bo. Are Nicks, we talking about levels? They, I'm, I'm, I'm just going in a national conversation because okay. now this okay. is the type of t- season where whoever is doing whatever game is just gonna put their five people up there, and I'm trying to resist it just being a bunch of quarterbacks. Although it, it I mean, I, like I don't know if anybody, you know, bef- until Brock Bowers went out, I don't know who else is more deserving outside of the quarterback position right now. I mean, there's some really good receivers, but are any of them? Mas- Maserati Marvin. Yeah, he that's like yeah. Word. I think I think he can I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the it takes the Brock Bauer spot because Brock Bauer is going to miss time for the non because let's be real. They're only going to invite one non quarterback. Yeah. So the yeah. non as of it's the non quarterback position. So that's Marvin Harrison's. Um, and then I think you're talking about I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Caleb Williams. I know I know that he this is we don't have time for this discussion right now but we will eventually have it. I know that he needs – I want him to be the the guy. I'm just going to break the, the paradigm, and I'm going to just change everything in sports moving forward because I'm that good or he thinks he's that good or people think he's that good. I definitely want it. Want him to have a better plan of attack and a better PR and a better social media campaign and just a better uh, approach – to it because fresh out the box just not knowing rules is a really bad way at loudly trying to change something like that just out off out off top if you're trying to work somewhere and the you're being really loud about not seeing the bylines about the company that you want to work for it's just you'll you know it might not be that big deal in the end of the day but is are you are you going to be the perfect spokesperson for change or are you going to be the guy who's going to make people who work at that place feel like you know what i don't maybe you're not that special or maybe we don't yeah, want or you. start rooting against you yeah, yeah like like and and that and that like it's just Again, bigger conversation than we're ready for. And I, I only say that because Heisman is voting. 
He won it last year. Again, I think coming into this year, this was the best chance of of a repeat. But I think it was going to have to be a special run short of – I'm not saying that they couldn't lose twice because right now they are sitting at two losses. If they were to only lose two games and he puts up better stats this year because he's on pace to do so, maybe the interception ratio is a little higher – but he's on pace to put up better stats. If he were to do that on a two-loss team, because that's what happened last year, like what would be the argument for, okay, last year you were the winner with worse stats on a team with the same record that was probably ranked, uh, if they only lose twice this year, they will probably have been ranked lower last year than they will be this year, because that will mean they will have beaten Washington and Oregon. Um, so if that would happen you right now, I don't see that's not the conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying if that were to happen, then there is no argument to not make Caleb Williams a candidate, right? Like it'd just be what like you couldn't what would the argument be? Everyone last year that wasn't Caleb Williams actually was worse. So he just won because comparatively he was better than people, but now this year people are a little bit better like that. I just would want to see if that I'm now rooting for USC to go winless or, or to win the rest of their games because now the whole narrative is Caleb Williams should stop playing college football. He They're not going to go to a championship. He's not going to win a Heisman. He should just sit out and wait for the NFL. And like that train started immediately after the Utah loss as if people didn't know that they were going to lose a couple games this year. Um I just think I'm I'm like, no, I want the other thing now. I want them to win out. I want him to have even better stats. I want them to somehow not have to give him the Heisman. Then I want an NFL team to somehow convince themselves that Drake May and not Caleb Williams is who they want to take. And that team will probably be the Bears. And they might have two picks. And I want them to then take Marvin Harrison and Drake May. And I want to see what happens if Caleb Williams goes third and still wants a piece of ownership like i'm just rooting for i think that because it's the most chaotic route at this point but yeah i was like, gonna ask you if you think there's a risk at this point of him not even being invited to new york i mean would you say other than the notre dame game that he has played poorly Because prior to Notre Dame, it's 322 yards, three touchdowns. But these are mostly, like, some of these aren't even in full. I guess a couple of these were only three quarters worth. But 322 yards, three touchdowns, 403 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. 219 yards and a touchdown. Uh, uh, The Notre Dame game was 199, one touch, three interceptions. That was a poor performance. Uh, He was 24 for 34, 356 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um. Would you say, because I'm not even, I don't even, I didn't look at the Utah game and say he played, he was 70% completion, he was seven yards per attempt, right? It's not his standard, but I did not look at it. It's his third highest ranked QBR, or second highest QBR of the season, second to only that 400-yard, six-touchdown one. So I didn't look at it and think, man, he played bad. I looked at it like, man, he's all they have. He's all they have. Like, there aren't, he... I don't I just 
I don't know how anyone else could look at that game and be like, Caleb Williams needs to be better or do better, or I didn't see him do enough of blank. Um, so is there a chance he doesn't get invited to New York? Of course, because there's a very good chance that they lose two or three more games, at which point what yeah, you know, I don't quarter, know if a four loss Caleb Williams, of a, despite his of a, yeah. yeah, of a six and four team. Um, even with an amazing statistical season, because again, I don't imagine when they lose these games, it'll be because he's bad. I just think that they aren't a complete team and they will lose to better teams. So I don't I just don't think there will be a strong enough contingent that is like, no, he has to come back. So I wouldn't be surprised at this point if how their season goes that he's not invited back, which is why I am rooting for them to win out. And again, <sighs> them have to be like the guy who was won last year and is better this year on a team that was worse but did better because of him we don't want to give that guy the award again like i just want i kind of want them to have to what are they going to do that like i just kind of want to see it it's unlikely but i want to see it so i don't know like is bo nix a candidate he's been i as yeah, good as I you think can, so so like he's i would say good. he's, he's, really good, good to he's gonna be a, a candidate over caleb williams i believe if things traject sort of how they might traject uh, the the question, I guess, is like, is Jaden Daniels on an LSU team that, you know, kind of regardless of where they, not regardless, but the Jaden Daniels argument for me is he's their whole offense. He is the best kind of one man show going right now. I don't think he's really missed a game in that sense, like in the sense of that was a bad Jaden Daniels game, even the games they lost. It, it wasn't a, the bad Jaden Daniels game. Um, so I, is he going to be a national candidate? I think if they're ranked, I, my my bar has always been, are you on a ranked team? Because it didn't always have to be a quarterback. It just was, is your team ranked? And are you having an amazing season? Jaden Daniels fits those standards right now, that criteria right now. Jaden Daniels would fit that. Stone twenty five. Yeah, ranked team having an amazing season. You could you could argue, and some of this is like I think a mythical criteria, but I'm thinking about some of what people used to say about you know Tim Tebow, who's arguably the greatest football player ever. Yep. Like this person alone can will you to victory, despite the circumstances. Again, that's all the way true. I think that's also like a impossibly high standard. Um. But I think folks who believe this and subscribe to this will say, you switched out Caleb Williams with X player. Do they lose to Utah? Do they lose to this team? Is the Colorado game close? And again, I don't think that's fair, but that is how people talk about quarterback play. And right. the quarterback play, if it's elite, lifts everyone else's performance. And I think there's been games where the offense doesn't look great, and the question is, could the best player in the country have done more? And some people will probably say, yeah. Yeah, when that comes to some Caleb. Some people probably when say that... Caleb Williams should have had a passing touchdown on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, I'm, and I guess, it. yeah, I think that's, I, I mean, I, I could see people saying that. And I mean, I guess I would look and be like, the fact that USC is in a game with Utah, which is one of the better defenses in the country, is because they could ask Caleb Williams to throw the ball 34 times and he 30, 30 out of those times put it where it was supposed to completed it for 24 times. 
Um, so I get, yeah. So I like, I look and say with a lesser quarterback or a different quarterback, even quarterbacks who might have better chances at a Heisman, that game's not even as close as it is. So, but that's, yeah, it's too much focused centric on, on quarterback play. Um, but just, I kind of look again, I look at a ranked team. I look at your individual performance. I would say um, on a Heisman ballad that I would have Jaden Daniels, Bo, uh, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. I would have those names ahead. Like I, I just, I would. Jaden Daniels, like I, my, this is why I said ranked and statistical performance is really all it takes. Jaden Daniels is three, just right now, 3,000 yards of offense, 30-something touchdowns. He's only turned it over like four times. They're a ranked team. They're like, I just, if you're just talking about yeah. performance and, and like who is worthy by their performance of being invited as one of the, you know, Heisman, all Heisman is, is however many people there are. You're one of the that many top, you're the top blank of, you know, player in the country. Back in the good old days of Manti Teo and, and Dominican Sue being invited to New York because position or not, if you watch college football, and Dominican Sue single-handedly almost won the Big 12. Anti Teow kind of led a defense at Notre Dame to a national championship, right? This whole it was yeah. just a general, you know, play on what you do thing. And so Jane Daniels, uh-huh. let's say they beat Alabama and play in the SEC championship against Georgia, especially uh-huh. if they win, but even just getting there and he's you know 40 touchdowns, 4,000 yards off at like if that is not when you know when he's one of three quarterbacks in the nation doing anything like that if that's not good enough especially it doesn't always have to be quarterbacks but the most valuable position if you're the best player at the most valuable position on a you know top 25 15 whatever it is team playing for a championship um i would just say you get the invite so like those names like you said marvin harrison jr I think gets one Michigan. I don't know if there's any singular player who's having a good enough season that would warrant it. Same with Georgia without Brock Bowers, kind of, if he doesn't have those numbers, which is why I think Travis Hunter now, Florida state's going to be a top 10 team all season. And he's going to continue to put up really prolific numbers. Um, he yeah. will, but no one's no one's arguing that Jordan Travis is the best player in the country. Also. No, so that's so that's why like you know you, Bo Nix is ahead of that is is ahead of him there. I think Michael Penix even with a bad week is yeah you know, I I believe you're allowed one bad week. So Michael Penix having the one bad week, I think he's still in that discussion. I think Jaden Daniels is the rare uh, kind of one man show who's still keeping LSU for now ranked. Maybe playing I think for a win against Bama could do it. That's what I'm saying. Like, let's and I, that's not off the table. Hopes. That's not a, that's not off the table. Like they they can offensively make it a game with Alabama. So like I just if you're and I think if I were being a if I were voting, I would want to keep a ballot throughout the year so that I'm just not reactionary or waiting for whatever yeah. game. Like so, I would kind of want to be fair in that sense. So I would just want to be tracking like. I wouldn't want to be like, oh, Jaden Daniels had a really good game against Alabama. Let me go back and look at his stats and, oh, yeah, maybe he should. Like, I would just be considering him now because, yeah. you know, like that's – and then if it happens, like, because if they beat Alabama, it's not going to be – I shouldn't say it's not going to be, but w- really wild scenario where it's because Jaden Daniels didn't play well and they still win. That would be pretty wild. So it just, you know. Yeah. 
if we get that. That's the other piece of this too, though, when we talk about quarterback specifically. Does your bad performance cost your team the game? Right. I think that's something that comes up as well. And that's another knock. Not another, but like that's a potential knock against Caleb Williams. You could argue that his three first half picks cost him the game. Yeah, the Notre, the Notre Game that game. Drake May's yep. performance yesterday or two days ago yep. cost him the game against UVA. Yep. Is that bad enough to take them out on the flip side against all these other positive things that they bring? Correct. I think Jaden Daniels, while they have losses, there's only losses where he's the reason why they lost. Yeah, exactly. And that's what separates him. Exactly. So yeah, I think um it, it, it is like when you're having a dis- when you're having a discussion about comrade quarterbacks, it I, I, it can be boiled down a lot to the 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 record and and the outcome. But I think that's a good separator for was your performance the reason how much was your individual performance, not the teams, but your the reason that you did or did not win. Um and yeah, I think a perfect example of you could look at the Utah game for Caleb Williams and say, yes, like a touchdown would have been nice, but watching that's the one game where I did see damn near every snap. Not a lot of people open, not a lot of good play. And like Lincoln Riley is Mr. Play caller. I don't know. Just Kyle Whittingham has his number, um, but just like not a lot of creativity. And they just struggle to protect. Consistently. Not yeah, He's always, Oh, that is like, I have, I've given up. I have given up on like analyzing that as a point. If you, if anybody has watched USC play football, you already know like that, that hasn't changed from last year. Um, so that's just like that's a given. So they they can't run it. They have no their offensive line. I don't not you know call anybody out. They, they, their offensive line does not perform well. They don't block well up front, off the, off the ball, or in pass protection. So it's tough when you can't run it, and then when you can't protect. Um, but yeah, the Utah game was more of a we, we didn't lose because of me. We didn't win because I uh, like I didn't do more or enough that we won. Um, but we did not lose because of me. Notre Dame, we lost because of me. I kept throwing the ball to the other team. Nobody made me do that. I kept doing that. So that I think those are that's a, and so everyone has the one bad performance, which is why I was like, he could have that Notre Dame game. What you do next week and the week after and the week after is kind of indicative. And he gave us the one game where it's like, uh, well, it wasn't bad. It was actually pretty like it wasn't great. It was good. But like no one knows what to do with yeah, it was good when we're talking about like a big award, when, especially if other people are. You know, Bo Nix is going to go prolific and JD is going to go prolific. Marvin Harrison's going to have a big moment. So it's just it's it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be an interesting race just because the season it's going to be interesting. And as opposed to like I said, people should just look at the individuals and then kind of the season. They're just going to wait for well, who are the best four teams? What is the final four? And then they'll kind of yeah. I think they're just going to kind of pick it like that. Um, That's a good point, too. One of the things that the losses takes away from you are those signature moments. Some of the teams we've already mentioned, the Washington, the Oregons, the Ohio State, they still have really big games left on their schedule. Yeah, High it'll, viewership, it'll come. prime time. <laughs> exactly. They can have a big moment in a big game. Yeah. Caleb Williams is not going to play any consequential games at this point, especially if they take another loss. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, well, I they they have those opportunities, right? Because like I said, USC, you'll play Oregon and Washington back to back. If Caleb Williams goes for 400 yards and four touchdowns in both of those games and they are close and win one or two or both, or yeah. even if they don't win it, like, like, well, if they don't win any, it's a tougher argument. But I just think those, like, boom, there's your opportunity, especially against Bo Nix and Michael Penix. You're literally going head to head at that point. 
with competitive, uh, you know, contenders, and no one's going to look at USC's offense stinks. Washington's offense is really good. Caleb Williams' challenges was was tougher in that sense. No one's going to look at it that way because that is the kind of unfairness of just the how this all works. Like it's not right, all it's fair. Not Caleb it's not Williams all fair. Versus Michael Penix. Correct. Like, that's not that's not what we're talking <laughs> right. about. Right. It's We're it's not Caleb, competing against each other. It's Caleb way. Williams versus a really good Washington defense, and it's Michael Penix versus a bad USC defense. But no, it's Caleb Williams versus Michael Penix. Whoever has their better moment will have, you know, that'll be it, especially if that team wins. So, yeah, that's a good good point for that. I think we can we can table maybe Heisman talk unless somebody yeah. – like because there's no other new names I think that are going to pop up. Uh, Drake May, like you said, ha-ha. I love to laugh at UNC. I love to laugh at Trick made now just because no disrespect to him, but I just, there's always some big tall white guy that whenever there's a generational black quarterback that has to pop up that they're like, no, it's this guy. I get it. He's very talented. He's unbelievably gifted. Um, but I, I, I'm just, uh, no one is, I haven't heard anyone until this week, like criticize his, his flaws and people can't wait can't wait for Caleb Williams' team, not him to play bad. Can't wait for his team that we all know is going to lose to lose so they can just point and laugh at Caleb Williams. And I get that he kind of has made himself a little bit of a, I don't want to say villain, but not like he's the face of million-dollar college athlete. And for reasons that are very obvious to some of us, there's a large section of America that just doesn't like that for a whole bunch of you know, deep reasons we don't, have to, don't, like we don't have to Sanders. get into. Yeah. So like that is that like there, there, there is that. Black man. Yeah, there that's, is that's that. What it is. So just they know that that that's something that he will have to deal with in a way that not just Drake May, but a whole bunch of other quarterbacks uh won't. And I guess I like that he's like, well, I guess I'll just lean all the way into this thing. I want to play in on a team. Meanwhile, they told Tom Brady, no, no, you can't do that. We're actually we're actually finding a whole organization. It's collectively bargained. But Caleb Williams thinks not that he could do it because I'm not saying don't think he can't do it. But he thinks that I I believe that he thought there would be little to no pushback about saying. I just think he's surprised by like how people react to the stuff he's saying. Like the the revolutionary, righteous, like trying to shake up the system guy. Like that guy is not going to get applauded along the way. Just know that. And if he's prepared for that, great. But just. It's worth noting um, that it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, this is the question. Just... <laughs> what, is, what is his true intentions? Is he just Correct. trying to be contrarian? Right. Or is he really trying to change something? Right. Yeah, I just feel like if you were trying to actually change the collecting bargaining agreement and the NFL, you wouldn't loudly wouldn't announce your plan. You wouldn't loudly announce, hey, NFL, we're, I, I'm good. I want to change your collectively bargaining part about players owning teams. The all owners will so quickly be like, guys, never. Never. There are so many football players. We will never let a player own a team. Never. And look, I'm not saying I agree, but if anyone out there doesn't understand why the owners aren't going to let that happen, you don't get the business that those guys are in. Not regular people, billionaires. They're not here for, yeah, sure. Come take some equity in my thing. They're not here for that. Just telling you. That doesn't make practical sense. Like, there's a lot there that we don't have to get into, but like, yeah, there's so many implications for you then getting traded, 
Like, what does this mean for the influence you have over your teammates? He, in the locker room? He still There's owns. A lot of practical reasons why that's would, not a good idea. It would mean he he still owns the Bears while playing for the Vikings because he was right. traded traded four years or or he gets ownership of any team he plays for and tries to actively get traded like, as much as work? possible. He just tries to get traded or cut as much as possible so that he it is in my con. I don't I, look. I'm joking mostly now, but yeah, no, we we're Caleb Williams is going to get his own episode soon where we. Whatever he wants to sell and <laughs> wants to inflate or deflate the back of the franchise, how's that in work out with his playing status or how well he plays? What if he's incentivized as a player to ten games because of the ownership taken here? Like it's it creates a lot of issues. I'm going to Google that this makes this unserious. Yeah. I'm going to Google this, but if he, if his major isn't business, I don't even want to have a further conversation with him. If he is at college studying anything else besides business, I feel like the first thing he would have had to do was have made sure somehow he's taken either some sports business or something business related, but I am going to Google Caleb Williams major. Um, UVA, UNC, that was the game of the day for me. Way to go, UVA. Biggest biggest win of their program in a long time. Tony Elliott, we see you. Um, Arguably ever. It's the first time they've ever beat a top 10 team on the road. So it's a very, very strong case. Um, I think one time at home, I, I remember hearing about this a long time ago when I was living down there. I believe somewhere a long time ago they beat Florida State at home when Florida State was like Florida State, good like just nineties, two thousand kind of Florida State. I think yeah. one year they got every once in a while. So like that that if if I'm remembering that correctly, that's the only other candidate for like this canon of theirs. But yeah, to go on the road, do that to UNC. Um, that's it for for as far as I'm concerned. That's it for UNC playoff conversations. Um, it's just not going to be enough other teams losing where UNC's resume is going to be like, yeah, put them in. So I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So good for you, UVA, um, the rest of their season, honestly, they don't have to win another one. You've done, you've done enough. Now you beat William and Mary on homecoming and you went on the road and beat a top 10 team. We can build the pro. Well, like I'm, Carolina, man, they do this every year. Last year, I think it was Georgia oh, yeah. Tech. They oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Have all this momentum and they just lay in the hands. They are, and this is, I don't you know, I'm not putting this on Mac Brown. I feel like this is just a Carolina thing. Sometimes programs just have that stink on them. They're an unserious football school. Like, I'm not, I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I know that sounds bad, but it's just they, they will never be. And the difference between them and Duke, people look at Duke like, yeah, maybe they'll be ranked, but like, Duke's not going to no playoff, no matter how good. Nobody thinks that. People actually started to have serious UNC playoff, like really having those conversations. It's like, yo, chill chill out. They're going to – every year – I was ready for Pittsburgh to do it, but every year somebody's going to beat them. And, it, you know, happened to be UVA this time, but it's not that big a shock. Like, it, they do this all the time. They should never be taken more serious than you might be, you know, a nine-win team – you might play in the ACC championship. You might even win the ACC championship because, and that shouldn't be poo pooed. Like you might be Clemson, you might be to Florida State one day, probably not. But you know that's fine aspirations. But the, yeah, national championship or playoff talk, which was starting to happen with UNC, I even bought a little stock in them. But just I, a, a loss was coming. It shouldn't have been the UVA, but a loss was always going to come. So that's yeah. that's not that shocking to me. Um. 
All right, you want to quickly look at next week? You got time? Let's do it. All right, we got games this week that look good. I love that Liberty is Tuesday's team now. Tuesdays are for Liberty. Like, we all know the midweek is for all the Sun Belts. Tuesdays are for Liberty. They deserve um, their own audience. They do. At so this point. Everybody tune in, watch Liberty's pursuit of undefeated. And unlike JMU, because Liberty transferred, I think, earlier, I believe they are playoff eligible. They're not – I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but they are bull, I think, and also playoff eligible. Committee, I dare you to put an undefeated Liberty team in a New Year's Six Bowl against a one or two loss Power Five team. I dare you. Just – I want to I, – I, I dare you, and I dare the country not to watch and root for Jerry uh, Falwell's kids – kind of creepy but really good football program institution. I dare y'all not to root for that. So that's Tuesday. Uh, nothing else really this week. I mean, Virginia Tech is the home game at night, Thursday night. So everybody go watch Inner Sandman, 7.30 against Syracuse. But let's go Dino Babers. That could be a, that could be a big on-the-road win to save your unnecessarily at-risk job. They were trying uh, to sneak in all those weed day games for the NBA started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. NBA starts this week, too. So <laughs> some of these games, uh, you know, get your two screens ready, get your get your whatever you got to do. Uh, also, you got Friday night. Um, Charlotte coach. Biff Pogey. I don't know if he's going to sleep. I mean, it's good weather, right? You're, it's still not that bad in Charlotte. It's still football weather, probably. They might have some road games and some warmer places. Um, but yeah, Charlotte's. Uh, they're playing a game in Jerry Richardson Stadium, which is the Panther Stadium, which I don't know if that's where they always play. And that was contractually after Jerry Richardson sold the team in a foot scandal. He contractually told new owner uh, Tepper the one thing that he couldn't change, I think, was the giant Panther statue, him holding Panthers out front, and that the stadium still had to be called Jerry Richardson Stadium. So look at you, Jerry Richardson. Um. All right. I thought they changed the name. I know they tore down the statue, but I guess not. They they took the statue down, but they couldn't change the name. It was either one, like it was like the statue stayed up for a while. I think they eventually took it down, but it was like, nah, you can't change the name. Uh, or unless Charlotte has a stadium on their campus called Jerry Richardson Stadium. I mean, mm. is to Jerry Richardson? Did Jerry maybe Jerry Richardson went to Charlotte? Um, if it is Charlotte, there's no I mean, way they tore down the statue and changed the name. I, I it felt, has to be at somewhere else. Yeah, I felt like the statue was still up, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I need to do research into that and Caleb Williams major. So, um, I will I will do that. What is Caleb Williams studying in football? He's majoring in communication. Son, you are not doing a great job. Anyway, um. Florida State. He's to play school. <laughs> He's not here. That's true. He didn't. He didn't go to Oklahoma to play school, and he didn't transfer to USC for school. Um. All right. I'm. I usually write these games down, but you know, this is on the fly. So let's see. Georgia, Florida, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um. That's just always fun. It's fun to say. It's fun to watch. Oregon, Utah. Great game. Uh, good defense versus uh, this is Oregon's last chance 
to not well not to not lose they're playing probably some more but this is the other game where it's like all right Oregon you can lose once to Washington win out get back to the Pac-12 championship and be okay you can't lose twice no and the game's on the road too and Utah is a tough place to win yep so that one I got an eye on um yeah, not. I mean, there's you know, there's plenty else out there, and I think at some point maybe this week we'll do either stock game or the the predictions for the twelve. Um, but that's I mean, ODU J James Madison. That's a big one for the state of Virginia. Now eight o'clock, both programs. I mean, JMU was I talked about it, but ODU's on the up and up, so that's a big one. Eight o'clock in Virginia. Um. UNC has to bounce back at Georgia Tech. They better. Nothing else really jumping out to me in terms of not just ranks be rank. I mean, Duke, Louisville, that got one. Tennessee going to Kentucky. Yeah, Tennessee should win that one only because defensively, that's kind of stopping the run has been their thing. But Ray Davis versus that defense will be fun to watch for sure. Got Louisville trying to bounce back against Duke, which good luck with that. Yeah, that's a tough bounce back. That's a for both both teams, right? But Duke coming off the Florida State, um, Louisville coming off their what they what was Louisville doing? Oh, uh, they're at the Pittsburgh banana peel, and then they were off yep. this they were off this week. So we got Coach Prime coming back this week too. Colorado going to UCLA. Okay, that's fun. We got we got Dion in Cali, so that's always fun. Um, that's a that's a better UCLA team than I think people were expecting coming into this year. I think, especially defensively, I saw they actually stopped a couple of people. We're not used to that with the Chip Kelly team, but um, that happened. And you couldn't have more opposite personalities. And Chip Kelly, whose favorite word is no, versus Tion Sanders, <laughs> who loves everything about one, loves one <laughs> loves everything about the circus and is here for all of it. So um that uh, thank you for pointing that one out. We also got Hawaii at midnight where they should be versus San Jose State. Um there's one other one right at right as you said. Oh, um oh. This is how I want to end. Iowa got robbed. Absolutely robbed. Not a fair catch signal. That was a getaway from the football single. No one in the stadium thought it was a fair catch signal. No ref called it at the time. No player stopped trying to tackle him at the time. No one thought it was a fair catch. And then all of a sudden they're like, nah, never mind. That was a fair catch. I think what happened was the committee said, or somebody, the powers that be were like, we can't have Iowa in a position where they're about to ruin this playoff for us, y'all. It was a fair catch. They'll never score if you don't give them that punt return. So we're bringing it back. <laughs> and they did. Um, but they got robbed. And that is also, uh, I forgot to write his name down, but that is a white cornerback. Don't you dare convert him to a safety NFL. He is good enough to play cornerback. Y'all keep doing this with the college He's corners. Bad. The college corners are good at cornerback in college. And then magically they get to the NFL. And here's Eric Weddle playing strong safety. Just let that man play corner when he comes to the league. Please stop racial profiling your own people. I I thought that Iowa was by themselves in setting offensive football back, but Arkansas wanted to have the last word this weekend. 
what's going on with them, man? <laughs> like, how they're such a weird team. Like, KJ Jefferson is better than what they are. And they play Alabama close, but then they can't move the ball against like these schools that aren't or shouldn't who don't stop other people. Like, I don't know what to do with Arkansas. Their OC finally lost their job. I think that's who's getting the bulk of the blame for this. Because, yeah, he's one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the SEC. He clearly has a lot of talent. He will be playing on Sundays. And the fact that they can't score a touchdown. It's crazy. Is, is against Mississippi State is ridiculous. Who, who I have watched more than I should this year. And what I can tell you about Mississippi State is if you want to score the ball, they will allow you to do so. It's it's totally your choice. They are very impartial to stopping people. Uh, so interesting. Like, I, I don't know what to do with Arkansas. Uh, and, uh, as I'm looking at this, I saw Quinn Ewers is out. Which I told was, you, I mentioned on this this very show to watch out for Houston. Yeah, Houston almost got him. Houston, Houston almost got him. But what they have done now is maybe ruin their season going forward because um, I'm looking at Murphy is now starting against BYU. And uh, BYU this, is not a not a pushover. BYU yeah, no. is a very scrappy team. They will they will make you work for it. They probably could not be happier to be facing a backup uh in terms of just oh okay like a a, a wounded opponent. Uh so that's the fans watch out. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. I know things are hard now uh that stinks to hear about Ewers, about Quentin Ewers, yeah. but um it, it what would stink even more is a home loss to BYU on at, at 330 on your ABC uh-huh. game of the week. That that wouldn't be good. Um so yeah I, I think man we've touched we we've touched kind of all of them Coastal Carolina Marshall NFL network game. You know, Sun Belt gotta shout them out. Um Sun Belt's gonna continue to Sun Belt. So when that as those races come down and more conference games start to get played, that is my favorite conference to watch the race in because it's the most unpredictable. All the teams are kind of equal. I feel like the other conferences, besides maybe Pac-12, it's like we have favorites and then we have people fighting to knock them off. Uh, Sunbelt is just just every every team could be every team no matter what. We'll see what happens. So I'm I'm here for all those games. I, I think we've touched every important – we talked about Oklahoma, Kansas. When it's time to expand the playoff, I'm all for the Sunbelt having an automatic bid. Absolutely. It needs to happen. Absolutely. And maybe at large, too. But like, I'm not I'm – not I'm starting an automatic bid. They might need a auto and an at-large, especially when we get to, to, to the 12. Um, I'm looking environment-wise. I, I, we've probably covered it. Um. I'm going to call this Boise State's going to get their get right win of the season against a very good Wyoming team at home, 530. They've just been away from the blue turf for too long. I feel like I've seen too many Boise State games playing on grass that is not blue. Um, They were at Colorado State. They got the San Jose State win, but they were on the road at Memphis, on the road at San Diego State. It's been a I know they had one, but it just seems like it's been a while. They're about to have an you know, another road game at Fresno after this, I think they rally, get a win over Wyoming in a game that nationally no one will be paying attention to. But uh, Wyoming's been a good team and Boise State. I refuse to believe Boise State's going to be a non-bowl eligible team. I refuse. 
That's what's the last that's, time that's happened. That just goes against everything I've known since I, I want to say since what 2004, five. That 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 the the the, the 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 Oklahoma game was 2007, I think. Yeah, sure was. So, and, and, and that was yeah, and that was them after being good for you know a couple of years to get to a point where they could beat Oklahoma. So I want to say they have been a bowl team for 25 years almost. Like I, it just feels they haven't been not you know six wins, which is kind of the line six seven wins in a while. They are three and four now. So, you know, they need, they'll beat New Mexico. They should beat Utah State. But then they got Air Force, Fresno State, Wyoming. Those games will be close. I think they get one this week. Good luck, Boise State. Yeah. Go get it. Go get it done, Boise State. Um, we will, like I said, we'll probably do a stock game or a 12. We'll talk maybe 12 if we were doing a 12 team playoffs. Who's the 12 teams that we want? Maybe do something like that. But, we will catch you guys either later this week or after week nine. Moving along here, starting tomorrow. Um, go Sunbelt, and everyone go enjoy the weekend. Peace. Peace, y'all.